the free for all roundtable round two on round two bob richardson is here news talk 1010 contributor senior counsel at national public relations michelle morrow is a people's voice award winner and a music teacher deb hutton is your former advisor to two premiers good morning to y'all happy monday Happy Monday. Okay, you know what? Let's start with uh, what I've been calling cowboy cosplay, but uh, you folks have been around your share of politician. I found it fascinating that when Justin Trudeau and Pierre Polyev put on their cowboy out, uh, outfits, it was this highly partisan response. And so people who hate Trudeau said he looked like a moron. People who hate Polyev said he looked like a moron. Conversely, apparently, there's a, sh- a T-shirt wearing picture of Polyev going around where he's so <laughs> humpy they say ladies dump trudeau get ready for the new polyev uh, let me start with you deb hutton i was comparing the you know these shenanigans at the um uh, you know at this event to like the tractor plowing thing that every ontario leader has to submit themselves to once a year the plowing match one of my personal favorites it, it, you know <laughs> what your leader wears what your politician wears to these things matters to people as you can tell from your tweet john and and how people reacted to it for stampede it is a must to get the hat it's a must to get the boots and shockingly it is a must to get the right belt buckle going on the plowing match every year it used to shock me because i grew up in rural ontario we would have the most urban of caucus members, and I'm sure, Bob, it was the same uh, for the Liberals in your day, and they would show up to the plowing match as though they were about to go bale hay, which I found quite disrespectful, quite frankly. But, you know, the stuff matters. People pay attention. And I guess if we're talking about that, we're not talking about all the major crises in the world. That's true. Well, Michelle Morrow, we won't dwell on it forever. And perhaps this reveals more about social media than it does about anything else. Because I took no position. I did not hurl any mud at anybody. I didn't mention a name. And then there was this endless succession of people reacting, saying, oh, there you go. You love Trudeau. Or there you go. You love Polyev. And I thought I, I said nothing. I think it's really hard because you're how would the react what would the reaction be if they had showed up in a three piece suit? Really? Or like if they'd shown up as they would to the House of Commons. I think you're a little bit of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But at that's right, I think you have to dress for the occasion. And that's the way people dress in the stampede. I didn't feel like it was over the top. We've seen Trudeau go over the top. I don't think this yes. is one of those times he does have a history. But I think he dressed respectfully for the event he was going to. Yeah, it's true. Bob Richardson, at one point, it was like he was performing a Gilbert and Sullivan show. But showing up in a, you know, with a rodeo belt and a cowboy hat, no biggie. Look, he's done this 10 times. He's been leader of the party for over 10 years. He's done this 10 times. He's a regular at this. He's got this down to a fine art. I thought uh, I thought they both looked pretty good. I'm, frankly, I'm uh, Pierre Polyev's Jack, so uh, there you go. But look, uh, they both did a great job. Uh, I, I give kudos to uh, Trudeau. He's going in uh, to the heart of darkness as uh, for a liberal, and he seemed to get mobbed, and it seemed to go extremely well, so good on him. Okay, I don't know that there's necessarily a lot of insight we can bring to this, but it's definitely something people are talking about in Toronto. Uh, shortly after we went on the air this morning and shortly after sunrise, a man and a woman were shot in the city's core. And maybe I'll start with Bob Richardson, because this isn't exactly your neighborhood, but you are a downtown dweller. Yeah, I'm a four or five minutes from there. I heard the police uh, sirens and uh, there was a helicopter over overhead. I don't know if it was a police helicopter or, or CTV news. Uh, it does not surprise me. There uh, at that corner, 
the police uh, have allowed an unsanctioned mini tent city at Charleston Young for a while. It's a disaster. There's already been a murder there this summer. This is the second in- incident. It needs to be closed down. There's a little park there that they've kept closed, uh, which is not great for local residents. Um, uh, it needs to open, and it needs full-time security, period. This has gone on way too long. You know, and with uh, with respect, you know, this went on uh, when John Tory was mayor, and uh, this uh, appears to be... Uh, a real problem that uh, Olivia Chow's uh, inheriting. They need to fix it. It cannot be allowed to continue. Yeah, well, Michelle, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Olivia Chow does, because I think most people think she wants to go and hold a prayer circle or sing Kumbaya with the homeless in these encampments. And uh, my sources say maybe not so much. Yeah, I think it puts you in a really tough position. Like you don't want to be forcing people to shelters, but I, you people don't have a right to sort of pick up and, and live wherever they want. And especially with what Bob was saying, if they have shut down a park, to me, I'm, that drives me crazy. You shouldn't be able to take over a park and not allow pe- other people to go. I just hope that, I guess anytime something horrible happens, I'm a little bit Pollyanna. I hope that the people survive. I hope they're okay. And I hope those people get caught really quickly because that will always bode well for the city when people are caught quickly because I feel like it brings the panic down. Although Deb Hutton, with all the activity this morning and the investigation and the coming and going and the sirens, all of a sudden nobody's talking about an innocent 44-year-old mother of two who got killed in the crossfire last week. Well, I think people still are, and particularly uh, those of us who have kids and who think about those two little girls who have lost their mom. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I'm hosting The Rush this afternoon, and I think to myself, will there be a new topic before I get there at 2 o'clock this afternoon? Because that's how quickly your show changed this morning, John. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, we, we, my daughter had a routine MRI at Sick Kids on Friday, which means it was 8.15 at night was our time slot. We left the hospital at 11. So University in Elm, basically, and our car was parked three blocks away. I was with my husband, with my daughter, but for the first time since I moved to Toronto, I think 30 years ago, I was nervous. Very first time I was nervous in downtown Toronto. And that has changed, I think, for a lot of people. I don't live downtown like Bob, but we do live in the city. And to not feel comfortable walking from the hospital to your car is not the way we should be living. Well, hopefully the new mayor is listening. Um, does Toronto need new strip clubs? A very interesting history of strip clubs and gay bars and all kinds of other outlets in the city's core. And the author in the Globe and Mail points out that now we're down to just a handful, and she thinks we need a vital strip bar scene. Michelle Morrow, I'm not, I mean, you know, a little bit of seediness can be fun, I guess, but I'm not convinced there's a future in strip bars. No, I think um, the way we uh, the way we uh, go through our vices has definitely changed. I don't. I think the uh, availability of um, sexual content over the internet has definitely changed. Whether people want to see it in person, there's a lot more privacy that you can get in your own house. Um, but I, I do think the author is right in some cases. I do think we take a, a very puritanical um, attitude towards this. And I wish there was a little bit more protection for sex workers. And I wish there was a more, a little bit more open conversation of, of the role that they play, because this is, what do they say? It's the oldest, um, oldest profession. profession. And thank you. It's the oldest profession. And I think it will remain that. Okay. Deb Hutton, it's always made me laugh that they call them gentlemen's clubs. And there's always this vague veneer of fakery and trying to pretend that there's anything gentlemanly going on there. But it's, I mean, I'm not a Puritan. I just don't see that there's a future in strip clubs. 
I don't know, but I am a big believer that the marketplace does actually decide. So if there is, then they will flourish. And, uh, you know, she does uh, suggest, the writer does suggest that we no longer license strip clubs. I'm not in for that, but we should still license them and we should make those licenses available because if there's a need, there will be, uh, if there's a demand, there will be people who will actually go into the business. And if there isn't, they won't. Yeah. Okay. I would be on board for that, Bob Richardson. It's a strict libertarian approach because the days of two business people going into a club while the strippers are dancing and cementing some sort of a deal are over. Yeah, that is ancient. It doesn't, I, I don't think it happens anymore, but I completely agree with Deb. This is a market response. Uh, if, there, if the market says that there's a, you know, people that want to do it, it should be allowed. It shouldn't be a Toronto puritanical response. There's, there's a real difference there. So I'm not big on it myself. Uh, I agree with, uh, uh, with Michelle. The internet's really changed this whole uh, this whole uh, situation, so I'm not going to worry too much about it. I think the market will dictate what uh, what's going to happen here. There could be some conflict today in Winnipeg, where protesters have set up a roadblock to prevent anybody from going into a landfill. The issue is disturbing. It is the notion and possibility that at least three Indigenous women who were murdered that their bodies are in that landfill. Um, Bob Richardson, I'll start with you on this one. Prediction from Scott Reed earlier on the show was that the decision not to do the search for those bodies is going to be reversed, even if it could take three years and $200 million. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge amount of money. Uh, it is, uh, it's an important issue. Uh, but at the, uh, but at the, I, I am really torn on this one. If we knew, if we had better information, and if we knew that there was more than just a, a thought that they could be there, uh, then that is definitely uh, worth looking at. If it's just people think they might be there. That's $200 million. I'd rather put that $200 million in Indigenous housing, which they're fixing in the, in, in, uh, in the inner core of Winnipeg. And there's a number of other uh, projects that are going on to improve the lives in, of Indigenous citizens. That's where I'd rather spend two, uh, $200 million uh, instead, of, uh, uh, instead of investigating something that may or may not be there. Although Deb Hutton, you know, this puts to mind, I'm always fascinated by the stories of bodies of soldiers that are discovered from the Second World War and they get repatriated and buried with honors. And I cannot imagine being the family of someone who was not only murdered, but their body is in a dump. Yeah, I listened uh, to Scott this morning and, and he made the case that those of us who have worked in government and advised politicians have, have had our own share of this kind of thing where the, the cost is tremendous, uh, $200 million, as we've pointed out. And yet the emotional piece uh, it is a hard one to argue against. And so I agree. Uh, I agree with both Bob and Scott. Bob, in the sense that there surely should be a respectful way that uh, the, the um, in this case, the province address uh, the families of these uh, two individuals. But it seems like it's unlikely they can withstand the pressure that's going to come from this for the very reason you point out, John, which is the notion that your loved one is at the bottom of a landfill is just so appalling. Michelle, last word. I feel like I have nothing new to offer. I hmm. think we are so intertwined with the history of the Indigenous peoples that to ignore the fact that there could be bodies there is something we, it, it's hard for families to take. But it is at such an expense. 
Yep. Thank you so much, all of you. I knew that that one's one of the sort of toughest case studies and toughest debatables I can think of. And I'm sure that the discussion is far from over. As I said, there are people blocking the roadway right now who have been ordered to end, I think, by lunchtime today in Winnipeg. And I don't think they're going anywhere. That's Jeb Hutton, Bob Richardson, Michelle Morrill. My thanks to... Uh, let's see, Donnie was on, uh, was producing today. He'll be producing again tomorrow. And Nick Mayorano, you've been a comforting presence behind the board as I reintegrate myself into radio. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.